podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Charles back here again for another show. Hope you're doing well on this Friday. It is my team selector for the game against Aston Villa on Sunday. Going to be previewing the game. That already feels pretty important for Chelsea and for Mauricio Pochettino. It's horrible to say that as we're not even in October yet. But that's the way things are at the moment. Chelsea haven't uh, won many games. They've only won one Premier League game so far this season out of their five. And that is not good enough for a team that wants to be competing for a team that has spent as much as Chelsea have even with young players I think Pochettino knows that there needs to be an improvement and for all we can talk about the, the team playing well doing certain things that end product those results those points on the board are going to make such a big difference to the way we feel about Chelsea moving forward so in today's preview going to look at Pochettino's press conference what he had to say Look a little bit at Aston Villa, the opposition, and then give you my predicted lineup. If you are new around here, want to support the show, please do hit that subscribe button. Please hit the like button too if you're enjoying the content. Helps more Chelsea fans find the channel. If you're listening on the podcast, we do have an exciting podcast announcement today because Son of Chelsea is now a part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Signed, deal done. Very excited to be part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, hopefully bringing more listeners to the show at the end of 2023 into 2024, which is hopefully going to be an even bigger year for Son of Chelsea. So please do go and support the show. If you're watching on YouTube, please do go and listen to the show because that's another way you can get my content if it's easier for you on the go. And it's not just finding my show, my back catalogue of podcasts on the Sports Social website. You can also obviously go to your favourite podcast providers, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and find the show that way as well. So excited to be a part of the Sports Social uh, Podcast Network, Son of Chelsea now joining that but let's get into the show so Pochettino luckily did not have any nasty surprises for us in the pre-match press conference I think the key quote and the key news from his press conference was injury news as it always is especially now regarding Chelsea there was no kind of surprise here's the 15th player being injured this season we got updates key updates ahead of the game for Moises Casado, Nani Manawake, Marco Correa and Armando Pereira so this is what he had to say he said we need to assess Moises Casado tomorrow he was training individually we will see tomorrow if he can be involved on Sunday Marco Carrera is back and started training. Noddy was also involved. Um, and also, maybe we need one more day with Breuer. So, I think all great news. Casado is a player that is, is going to be so key for Chelsea moving forward. And I think it's a big decision whether he comes back into the starting lineup here. But it's, it's something that I would consider, given the energy I think Chelsea need for this game against Aston Villa. And to see how serious that injury is. I always think when you're hearing that a player hasn't really been involved with team training, even if they are considered a big player, coaches sometimes don't feel it's necessary to to throw them in and don't feel they're ready for that game. So we will see. And it's great to see that Amanda Brea could be back involved in some capacity, likely obviously on the on the bench, maybe not coming off the bench, but at least being now back involved. I think it's hopefully going to alleviate some pressure 
off the shoulders of Nicholas Jackson and having some actual competition. Because I know we have David Washington, but he's a very young forward. I think Amanda Breuer, who's obviously had Premier League experience and is someone that we do feel could develop a lot this season, giving that competition hopefully will create a healthy rivalry between the two. You know, give, give that sense of urgency for both players to improve across the course of this season as young strikers. I think that's a positive. But let's get into Aston Villa. I think there is a lot to say about Villa and, and obviously have been so impressive over the past year since Unai Emery came in, uh, replacing Steven Gerrard, who wasn't doing a lot for them. And seeing what he's done in terms of really galvanising that club, galvanising that fan base, uh, Villa Park always was, especially for Chelsea, quite an intimidating place to go to. But it feels even more so now with the quality of player they have brought in and been able to keep as well. And... I feel with what Emery has done from a European perspective, Emery, I, I really do think it was distasteful the way he was treated by sections of the British media when he was here for Arsenal. Um, I, I thought it was quite horrible the way, because he was speaking in, in a different language. I'm not even going to say the phrase, you know, and I think some, it feels like some of it he's kind of taken on himself as kind of a joke, maybe a hit back in, in some ways. He's not that type of character, but... The way he was kind of uh, targeted, I, I, I think, leaned into, some, it leaned into some very toxic places, unfortunately. And the fact that he went away, he won the Europa League with Villarreal, knocking out Arsenal felt like a little bit of justice for him. And now he's come to Aston Villa. He's not only got them higher in the Premier League, playing an attractive brand of football, but also has got them into European competition. They did lose their first... Europa Conference League game uh, in the group stage last night against Legia Warsaw 3-2. Quite an open game, one that defensively wasn't great for Aston Villa, especially from a counter-attacking point of view. And, and that's something that I think should give Chelsea some hope as we head into the game on Sunday. But seeing how Villa deal with that, it's going to be interesting. It's always that big thing. As a club, Villa have not been in European competition for over a decade. So dealing with the now struggle of Premier League and European competition you know I think we saw this with Brighton as well even if maybe you feel like with the Premier League clubs being stronger they can deal with it as we saw last night you, you still see some shocks in in these competitions and dealing with that and managing that and rotating is obviously a key part of of that equation too so hopefully Chelsea may run into a villa that's maybe a little bit disorganised, isn't at their sharpest, and Chelsea can capitalise on Sunday. But in terms of their recent results, they haven't done that bad so far this season. They have suffered some pretty heavy defeats away from home, most notably the 5-1 uh, drubbing they got at St. James' Park against Newcastle on the opening weekend. But they have had some heavy wins too. They beat uh, Everton 4-0 on the second weekend of the season. In the qualifying round, the Europa Conference League playoff, they easily beat Hibernian 5-0 away from home and then 3-0 at home. So 8-0 aggregate very comfortably into the group stages. They've beaten Burnley. Mixed results, but a team that can score goals, a team that looks productive, looks to be very much picking up where they left off and, and, and I think for them hoping to maintain some form of European qualification at the end of this season. So from a Chelsea point of view and, and looking at their approach, there is a physicality, there is a an aggressiveness to Aston Villa, even with a shorter passing game that Unai Emery very much um, 
prefers. But still, there are players within the team who are of Premier League experience who I do suspect to come into this game. In terms of their key players, I, I think uh, Musa Diaby, one of their newest signings from Bayer Leverkusen, they do like to sign players from the Bundesliga. They signed, of course, Leon Bailey, another player who impressed in the Bundesliga. But Diaby has two goals so far this season. Uh, I felt the first goal for him in his Premier League debut against Newcastle, the equaliser in that game, was really impressive. Someone that impressed me watching him for Bayer Leverkusen last season, um, a player that does have experience acceleration I think has a speed but also a real wife for goal too and, and knows his way around the penalty box and can finish very comfortably so a player that should be a threat to Chelsea and it is you know I guess the the pro and con for Chelsea is there's a lot more competition in the Premier League there's a lot more teams with players now who can hurt you but I think on the flip side of that when they come to the bridge you may not have as many teams come to the bridge and just sit back and do nothing anymore. There, there are teams with players who can hurt you. So it's about ex maybe trying to exploit that space behind Aston Villa's backline. I do think it is is an area potentially for Chelsea of, of benefit on Sunday. And I think going into Chelsea's approach for this game, I think counter-attacking situations and clearly decision-making in the final third is going to be vital. I will give you my predicted 11 after this. I always go into these uh, predicted lineups with kind of my, my head versus my heart and kind of looking at evidence so far this season and what I want to happen versus what I think will happen. I have leaned more in what I want to happen here, which is, sometimes means that I'm wildly wrong in my team selection. But Chelsea need to be proactive. They need to get three points. And I do think there will maybe be some jet lag for Aston Villa um, in terms of rotation too from the team that played on Thursday and hopefully the team can do well and also just some tweaks of, of things that have frustrated me so far this season we did speak about on my tactical breakdown earlier this week please go and check that out if you haven't already and one of the things we spoke about was the left back situation with Levi Colwell continuing to play at left back and I don't think it benefit benefiting him so I want more of a threat on the left side and, and it's not just coming from who's going to play at left wing it's also who plays at left back and I feel that Ben Chirwell should be playing at left back let's reveal my team now so we're sticking with the 4-2-3-1 Robert Sanchez in goal got a lot of credit last weekend for that clean sheet and, and seems to be growing in confidence with each game and, and from a technical point of view with the ball at his feet for a team that covers a lot of possession I, I think he's a very suitable, suitable goalkeeper and physically too hopefully will command his box a lot more in the coming weeks so then the back four Ben Chirwell finally back at left back where he should be and we'll speak a little bit more about how I, I think he'll impact things moving forward the back two Levi Colwell and Axel Dezassi so Dropping Thiago Silva is, I think, such a big call and it's one that I just don't see Pochettino making anytime soon, but I feel will be inevitable this season. Because I think at some point, if Pochettino wants to play the proactive style of football that he believes in, I think there there has to be a compromise. And I think we all expected this this season. I, I, I probably would have preferred it to happen. And I feel that, you know, Thiago is, is one of these players a little bit like Aspilicueta down the years that probably proves you wrong and, and makes you look stupid. And listen, is, is a wonderful player. I have, this is kind of a side note, but some of the stuff I've seen already in terms of, th there was an article that spoke about Thiago very much wanting to withhold standards within the dressing room. And some people starting to go at Thiago Silva. Some people starting to go at his wife. I mean, it's just lunacy. Again, just nonsense. And, and as much as we can talk about 
the the real frustrations that people have with Chelsea at the moment, the valid ones that I spoke about on my, my show when we spoke about Bowley and we spoke about Feliciano's comments. I'm with you on those concerns. But when you start targeting players, specifically those who have been quite brilliant for Chelsea, you lose me. You don't have me anymore. I'm not on your side. And, and I think that Thiago... I can sit here and go, I think maybe this season and is going to be the one where Thiago starts to get phased out. But I still don't doubt his quality, don't doubt his contribution. He's been a wonderful servant and I still think he will have key moments throughout this season as being one of the rare experienced heads within that dressing room. But I just feel... Levi Cobalt, I want to see him on the left side. And and Dezassi too, I think, has, has performed adequately so far this season. Then, of course, we have Malo Gusto at right back. I have started Moises Casado. I, I don't think it's likely, but in I, I wouldn't be unhappy to see Leslie Hugo Chukwu start here. Uh, but I'd like to see Moises Casado and Enzo Fernandez deeper. I don't think Enzo as a 10 is working. And if you want to have him, you know, really dictate things. And naturally, even in his average positions, he is drifting deeper which then hurts if he's starting as a number 10 right you you know you want a, a, another body within there and maybe that fear of, of the attack and midfield becoming a little bit disconnected so I feel Enzo with a natural defensive partner whether that's Ugo Chukwu or likely in the long term Casado that would be my midfield too. Conor Gallagher playing Either you call it a number 10 or basically a number 8. I think he naturally wants to get inside the box. We spoke about in, in the breakdown earlier this week of, of why he's contributing a lot from a progressive passing uh, point of view. And the fact that he continues to play under Pochettino, I don't think that's going to change. He spoke about him in a press conference of, of him potentially being a captain in the future for this club. I think he'll be starting again. Left wing, we're going to stick with Mikhailo Mudrik. I think he had a good um, performance against Bournemouth. I think he created some good opportunities. And I think the link up he has with Nicholas Jackson looks to be pretty strong. We saw it in pre-season. It's all about building that chemistry and those relationships. And uh, Nicholas Jackson too, staying in the team. And Raheem Sterling, obviously, as well, who, who remains one of the strong players so far this season. And I think with this front three, it's about building that chemistry over a longer period of time. That's obvious, right? And... And I just think for a striker, especially Nicholas Jackson, it's about those connections he can have with the, the players in and around him. Even if he isn't scoring every game, if he can create things for others, if he can link up well, that was one of the most impressive things throughout preseason. It wasn't just the goals he scored. It was also the way he seemed to naturally find players around him and even in an unorthodox way be able to link with others so I think that's that's going to be key throughout this season obviously and I think Mudrick and Sterling next to Nicholas Jackson for me feels quite obvious and natural and also with Mikhailo Mudrick and Ben Chilwell I want to see those combos down that left side I want to see the way those two can link up the way Chilwell can very much impact things and make those diagonal runs and, and make those runs to the byline that we know he can, the quality delivery inside the box because then it doesn't limit us just with going from a fullback point of view well then things have to go down to Malogosto who isn't as good of a creator as Reese James obviously so then you have another threat that Aston Villa have to deal with sure I can understand from a, a height and physical point of view maybe he wants more height against a team like Aston Villa and against Premier League teams but I think Chirwell isn't the worst in, in the air despite not being the tallest player so that's why I've gone with that team and, and in the case of Jackson you know with a team like Aston Villa looking at you know who scored and looking at some of their their number so far this season and maybe one of their weaknesses that was demonstrated against Warsaw is, is on the break and in transition and I think for Chelsea they will get those moments whether it is a through ball to Nicholas Jackson whether more likely it's through Mikhailo Mudrik who seems to be at the heart of a lot of Chelsea's best moments against Bournemouth it's just about that decision making which I just hope 
sooner rather than later will, will come about another alternative thing just to you know a name i haven't mentioned so far who may start this game as a number 10 is obviously cole palmer yet to start a game since signing from manchester city um i i just feel that 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 may be more likely actually if we're thinking about uh, moises casado if he doesn't start this game, I think he will absolutely start against Brighton because we've spent like 40 million on this guy. Like he's got to start eventually. So will Cole Palmer feature here? Would you like Cole Palmer to start this game? Let me know in the comments below. But that is it for today's show. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. You can follow me on all the socials, X, uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of that good stuff. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast feed, thank you so much for tuning in. Please do leave us a positive rate and review. Hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, and I will see you very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.